Hey y'all, welcome to Phases of the Womb. This is Sarah Mel. This week we'll be talking to Bridget, my college roommate from FIU, about her labor journey, um, her health and fitness journey, and how she incorporates all of um, her health and fitness into just her everyday lifestyle. Um, so I hope y'all enjoy this today. All right. Take your time. This is my free time. <laughs> All right. So first, I'm going to just have you uh, introduce yourself, however you choose to introduce yourself. Okay. All right. Well, my name is Bridget Keller. I live in Florida, live in Tampa, Florida. I was living in New Orleans, um, but I know Miss Sarah here. We were roommates in college (laughs) and kind of just stayed in touch. Man, small world just brings us all full full circle. Um, But I played volleyball in college, then I went on to become a strength and conditioning coach in college at the University of Mississippi, University of Southern Mississippi, excuse me. Um, And then I worked a little bit at Tulane. Um, And then after having my daughter, I kind of transitioned into a more flexible avenue of my career to where I could do personal training um, with mostly women, but then I also worked with athletes. And then I ran like different boot camps um, around the area, Metairie, New Orleans area. Mm-hmm. Um, and now since moving to Florida, I still train some private clients and I train my athletes, but I work at a gym called Kid Strong. It is like a milestone accelerator, they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, basically it's like, I call it like baby CrossFit, which I like don't <laughs> do CrossFit. That sounds so intense. I don't do CrossFit myself, but like... It's like, you know, baby gym, but it's yeah. not free play. Everything's very structured. So, like, they have, like, little sleds made out of PVC pipes um, that they push and pull just to, like, learn those movement patterns. And then we, like, teach them how to squat, you know, with their body weight. And then the older kids, they use a medicine ball. Um, then they do, like, different, like, ninja or gymnastic-style movements. Mm-hmm. But everything is based upon, you know, the foundational movement patterns of, like, squat, lunge, mm-hmm. hinge, movements that you use in everyday life mm-hmm. or can be applicable to sports. Um, but around that, my favorite part about the program is like we're teaching them how to move their body and they're getting exercise and everything structured. But in between like rounds of their exercises, we do what's called brain slides. So like mm-hmm. one month they learn like shapes or patterns and another month they learn sign language this month we're learning anatomy Hmm. but like very very basic like the little babies were like where are your feet you know (laughs) go walk down touch your feet touch your belly button and like my four and five-year-olds were like okay can you point to your biceps can you point to your abs like you know the more common and then the older kids they do more like complex questions um but we are always building upon that so every month they learn something new, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, their movements are new or the brain slides are new. Everything's changing, but they practice it for four weeks at a time. Um, and that's been really 
a blessing to me just to see how I can use the tools that I've learned over time and use them in a new way with a different population of kids that aren't just, you know, it's not just the kids. It's like we're affecting the kids and the families. I love that though. So it's been really powerful to see like how much impact we're having on these families and changing lives every single time they come in. Yeah, because I think too instilling like movement and health and wellness and stuff like that at a young age definitely makes a difference in how you are as an adult. I feel like people our age and older didn't really start, you know, we might some, I know people like, I mean, you did sports, I did sports, but like people who didn't do sports in like middle school and high school, you know, I feel like people get to like their twenties and thirties and want to start working out and it's hard. But when you instill that in the beginning, it just becomes a part of, you know, your normal day. So I yeah, respect that. Exactly. That's an amazing job. Like, oh, it is. I'm. I love it so much. I like. I lose my voice every single week <laughs> <laughs> from like coaching so many classes. But like, it's it's well worth it. I love it. My daughter does it. She has another coach. Obviously, I want her to have like somebody else because she sees me all day long. But um, she loves it. She looks forward to it every single week. So I'm like, okay, this is this is something great. I love it. That's beautiful. So since we're since we're kind of already talking about like exercising and stuff, um, I am fully aware of how much you incorporate like health and wellness into, you know, your life. And I remember while you were pregnant, um, you're probably one of the only people I know that worked out pretty much the exact same way you did in the beginning to up until the very end. Cause I remember you texting me when you're on the treadmill, like, I think my water broke, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but um, I know a lot of people get afraid of, you know, exercising while pregnant or like doing anything intense while pregnant so how did you being um pregnant for the first time how did you go about figuring out you know what did you feel like was safe or like did did you go through that at all you just was kind of like I've been doing this so I'm gonna do it (laughs) well actually I mean I'll preface this to say like you know I'm a big believer in we're all individuals. We're all not starting from the same place. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was, I would say, in probably one of the best shapes of my life. Mm -hmm. Nutritionally, not so much. (laughs) Not so much. (laughs) I was like, I was over-caffeinated and I was like, you know, taking Adderall because I have ADD, Mm -hmm. but I, I don't take it anymore. I've, you know, since then realized that, the damage it had done to my brain and my hormones. But anyways, I was, you know, just not eating. Like I was not eating where I should be, but I was very strong Mm -hmm. even though, you know, I hadn't had any kids yet. So I was in great shape. I had six pack, all Mm -hmm. the things, but (laughs) so like I knew going into it, I was like, Oh, this is going to be breeze. Like I'm just going to, you know, try and like listen to my body and stay where I am. And you know, make adjustments as needed as I feel that I need to dial things back and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But my first trimester, like, hit me like a freaking Mack truck. Like, (laughs) I was like, what in the hell? Like, when I tell you, I was like, I'm not going to be one of those moms. It doesn't work out. It, like, sleeps all the time. 
like I literally like felt like I had mono I was just like so exhausted so tired mm-hmm. like I went to the gym maybe like three times in my first trimester even with Damien like coaching me because I just physically I mean and mentally couldn't be there to yeah. like even think like what to do mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like yawning like I was like this is so discouraging like I can't do anything I feel so weak so I just listened to my body and I rested and I ate and I think a lot of that played into the fact like I said that I was undernourished going into the pregnancy so mm-hmm. I think my hormones were just already like very hypersensitive and out of whack mm-hmm. um but that first trimester really allowed me to like tap into my body and and you know restore my minerals restore those calories that I needed to lower the stress that my body had been under for so long um and then my second trimester came and like a lot of women you know, say like, oh, a light went on and I like got my energy back. <laughs> um, so at that point I did and I went back to the gym and I had a lot of like pain in my feet and in my hips just from everything shifting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of listened to that. But, you know, I just kept doing what I normally did. And then I incorporated yoga into it, um, which when I went to one of the yoga classes, <laughs> One of the girls in the classes came up to me and was like, you know, you shouldn't really be doing a plank and you shouldn't really be doing a back bridge or whatever the you know, specific <laughs> name for it in yoga is um, because it's bad for your for the baby and, you know, it's it's bad for your body. I feel something. like people have know. so much misinformation and that's why. Right. Exactly. And I was like, but I feel fine. Like, it doesn't hurt me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like. I do strength training outside of this, so I'm pretty sure I'm counterbalancing everything. She was like, well, I just want to let you know because, you know, everybody tells you the horror stories. Like, of I just course. want to let you know because I, it happened to me and it happened to somebody else that I knew that they had diastasis recti, mm-hmm. you know, from putting too much pressure mm-hmm. on, you know, and the baby hanging down and pulling on you. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'll take that into consideration Um, but I will say that I didn't do like, and I still don't do it because I feel like a lot of people just aren't strong enough to do it properly without straining Mm -hmm. is, um, like any kind of like, um, like a V up or Mm -hmm. like, you know, you see people doing like V ups with their legs hanging off the bench. Um, especially if you have longer legs, like you're obviously moving and pulling a lot more weight than somebody with short legs Mm -hmm. to where you you're putting yourself in a compromised position to you know create that diastasis recti or potentially somebody who's already stretched out in that area to tear something and have to have that surgery afterwards Mm -hmm. so like those things I don't even I don't even really do now because I'm like I can get so much more bang for my buck out of like a front squat or something that's on the ground to where I'm like holding it um or just, you know, different exercises that are more compound movements. Um, but aside from that, I mean, like, I did power cleans just because I like to do those. And, like, <laughs> it was – I hate running and I hate, I hate walking. Like, walking was the, wor- like, hardest thing for me to do when I was pregnant. They're like, just walk. It's so good. And I'm like, it's so boring. <laughs> like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> So, like, until my belly was in the way of the bar, I just, I did that. That was my cardio. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, you don't you don't have to do anything crazy, in my opinion. Like, 
if you're moving your body every day and you're sweating, you're finding a way to sweat every day. Mm -hmm. I think that's the major key that women should focus on versus like trying to hold on to some image or compare themselves to somebody else. So like went into a pregnancy with those muscles already or with, you know, with that body fat already. Yeah. They should look at more of like, okay, I'm doing this for my health or I'm doing this because maybe I went into the pregnancy and my body fat was already kind of, you know, higher than it should be. So now I need to be more aware of what I'm eating and what I'm doing, how I can build muscle. Like Mm -hmm. I built muscle like crazy when I was pregnant because people don't realize that your, your growth hormone is through the roof. So Mm -hmm. that's a perfect time to create more muscle to support your body, not to look good, just so that way you're not aching and in pain Mm -hmm. after the fact or much. Mm So, yeah, I mean, that was a long answer, but, that was okay. you know, that, that's my answer. Like, you know, it's, it's more from like a perspective of where you're starting, what you need and where you want to go after that. Do you feel like you got a lot of, um, I would say, I mean, I don't know how else to word it, but like pushback because you worked out the way you worked out, um, being pregnant do you feel like people had a lot to say like maybe you shouldn't be doing that I mean outside of the yoga but um like in the gym or like family members or friends um I mean I feel like people always have stuff to say (laughs) when it comes to like especially your first child like because you know you don't know like anything Mm -hmm. I felt like I was like totally a deer in the headlights with so many things so I was like, well, this is what I know, you know, like if anybody ever questioned me, like, this is what I've always done. I'm not like putting some just new, like huge stressor on my body because my body's used to this type of stress. Now, if I was sitting on my butt all day and not working out and then I got pregnant and I decided to be like this workout warrior and go do some crazy stuff, like, no. (laughs) <laughs> then I, I would be like, okay, that, you know, that doesn't really make sense. Right. My body's not used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say I was working maybe like, I don't know, three or four months out of my pregnancy at UFIT part-time, um, just training people. And like, I, when I first started to like pop, people were like, oh my gosh, you're like spotting people or like you're picking up those dumbbells. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And I was like, I mean... Well, I'm I still am like a healthy moving human like I'm can move I'm right. not like a robot right. sit down. so I think like when I explained it from that perspective to people like they're like oh that makes sense but yeah like you said there's so many myths out there like that people are told like oh if you wear heels you get hemorrhoids and like <laughs> just insane stuff that makes no sense like they just live their life repeating those same things without ever understanding where it comes from i'm guilty of that myself you know you don't really understand until you go through it and you you know you do something wrong or you do something right you're like oh what was i afraid of this whole time yeah and i think that i mean that goes i feel like with a lot of things uh surrounding pregnancy you get a lot of people who say all these things that they mom told them, they grandmom told them or whoever, and then they're afraid. And a lot of people just don't do anything. And I think the what I've seen is the people with the most aches and pains and discomfort are the ones that don't do anything because they're afraid to do anything. You know, like right. even even going for a walk, I even tell people like, 
even if you do five minutes of prenatal yoga at your house off of YouTube, right? you got to do something because things are moving and growing and stretching and you're going to be uncomfortable if you're just sitting there. Like, so I always show, I always tell people like, people are like, well, I was afraid to do X, Y, and Z. And I'll quickly pull up your Instagram. I'm like, well, this how she was working out before. And this how she worked out until the very end. So I don't want to hear none of that. Yeah. I mean, too, for me also, like, I struggled really bad with constipation during my pregnancy. Yeah. And that played a huge role in like my mood Mm -hmm. and so like if I would always tell people like Damien was teaching classes at across the gym there so that's where I just worked out because it was convenient and it helped me to like sweat more because it was outside Mm -hmm. but like I would always tell people like I have to like do something every day because if I don't I feel worse and my digestion just goes even more downhill right and you know, for your mental health, like exercise is incredible, is an incredible tool for your mental health. And if you're holding all that fear and all that, you know, in a way, good and bad trauma that your body's going through when it's creating a new life inside of you and giving all that to some another being, like you're going through stuff that Mm -hmm. your body has to be able to energetically move through. Mm -hmm. So by moving your body and sweating, you're able to process those things. Right. Even if you're not, you know, talking about it. It's another way to process those heavy feelings and those heavy emotions and, you know, help your digestion if that's something that you suffer with. Um, just helping your body overall. I feel like a lot of people capitalize on women and pregnant women's fear mm-hmm. when it comes to things. Yep. And you learn as a mother, like I've grown to learn that more and more in so many different avenues that you deal with that like fear is something that people capitalize on and we don't realize it until it's hitting us in the face. And we're like, dang, like I could have, I should have, but I listened to somebody else versus listening to my body when we know our body the best. Yep. That's exactly what it is. Um, so I'm going to ask one more question about exercising and then we'll uh, move on to the other stuff. So um, being that exercise was such a big part of your routine before and during pregnancy, um, how was the transition during your postpartum period? Um, like how how were you able to uh, heal and not work out the same way? How did your workouts change? Did you feel like um forced to like jump into like the snapback culture because your body does change um how was your postpartum experience in that aspect well um going into the pregnancy or like throughout the pregnancy before birth I did a lot of like pelvic floor exercises or Mm -hmm. I really focused on like my diaphragmatic breathing Mm -hmm. when I was doing like I did a lot of squats and I did a lot of front squats which helped you know strengthen the core as well so I focused a lot of my breathing and everything that I was doing um because I knew that that was a major thing that a lot of women struggle with as far as like postpartum Mm -hmm. you're doing a lot of bidding a lot of lying a lot of positions that your body's in 
while breastfeeding that aren't good posture. They're, you know, compromising posture that when you're not in those positions and you come out of it and you try to exercise, you'll experience a lot of low back injuries or, like I said, people with, in most severe cases, the diastasis recti where they have, like, the separation of their abs and that like the belly that kind of comes forward hanging out Mm -hmm. because they didn't do that work on the back end. But that to say, even if you don't and you're learning as you go, that's something that I would definitely prioritize. And I did prioritize after the fact, um, I really eased into it. Like I didn't, (laughs) I didn't know at the time that, that's what I should be doing is like resting more than anything for a long period of time. Because a lot of people preach like, Oh girl, like you got to, you know, you got abs, like you look so good. You Mm -hmm. can't even tell you're pregnant from behind. Mm -hmm. And then you have the baby and they're like, Oh, like you're going to come right back to it. You're going to be in the gym next week. You're going to have the baby on your hip coaching classes. And like, Mm -hmm. that sounds all good and all, but like, that's not healthy. Like as much as I love the idea of that (laughs) in a way, like, it's not healthy. And at the time I was like, yeah, 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 definitely. Like that's going to be me, blah, blah, blah. As soon as I had her, she had colic, so she was never sleeping, but, mm-hmm. um, like I, something just in my body was like telling me like, you got to rest, you got to stay in the bed. And I had, I had my mother-in-law and my mom uh-huh. and my mother-in-law's <laughs> husband now in my house, which now I love them to death, but it was a horrible idea. It was just, my anxiety was like through the roof. So I was like, I'm just going to barricade myself in this room and call me when lunch is ready. <laughs> I'm not coming out. So like, I didn't realize at the time, like I said, that, that that's what a woman should be doing. And that's the healthiest thing that she should be doing in a way. I mean, not barricading herself in a room, but like laying down and resting mm-hmm. for at least 40 days after you give birth. Mm-hmm. Um, before you do anything else and you could do breathing exercises in the bed pelvic floor you know gentle stuff in the bed but not just jumping back into the gym because your body isn't ready for that type of shock after birth even even if you had a c-section you know like sometimes those things happen and you know in their emergencies and whatnot but like even if you had a c-section you shouldn't be just jumping back or even if you had a short labor that wasn't traumatic and you had no tearing, you shouldn't be just jumping back because your body's not ready for it. And that's, that's one thing that like, I took my time to get back into it, but I wish I would have done more like hip stability and, you know, more stability, strengthening exercises because like I took my time to get back into it. But then once I did, I was like, okay, I'm going to like go back doing what I was doing. And then I was like, oh, my body is not ready for this. I feel so weak and I'm getting so much more sore after the fact. So yeah, just taking your time, giving yourself, there's a really good book that's called the first 40 days, Mm -hmm. um, and like nourishing recipes and like, you know, background information, why it's so important to honor your body in those first 40 days after birth. Um, and how women did it ancestrally, like way back in the day when they, when everybody was birthing at home and, you know, their time was like, they called it like their resting time or, you mm-hmm. know, they're laying in, they're laying in time where they didn't get out of the bed or, and they didn't do anything strenuous. Like 
you know, just going back to your roots of what women have always done. Right, right, and there's right. a reason behind it. Alright, so when uh, when you did find out you were pregnant, uh, I know you chose to go the midwife route. What made you yeah. being a first time, uh, being that it was your first time pregnant, what made you decide you wanted to go with a midwife? Because I know a lot of people don't even know, especially a few years ago, I feel like it wasn't even as talked about then. So what made you decide, like, I think I want to go with a midwife? Um, well, kind of like you said, like a lot of women like don't know. Mm-hmm. Here. One second. Um, a lot of women don't know. And I didn't know other than the fact like I knew I had my mindset that I wanted to try my best to do you know, no interventions, and I had my plan and whatnot of how I wanted my birth to go. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm going to go the path of least resistance <laughs> in my mind. Um, you know, and not to say that there aren't wonderful OBs out there that are very supportive. Yeah. But as a new mom, I'm like, okay, I know midwives are more inclined to go through with natural births, and they're more you know, supportive from what I've heard. So Mm -hmm. this is what I want to (laughs) do. Let me ask Sarah if she knows anybody because I don't know anybody. (laughs) I don't know anybody in New Orleans. Um, So, yeah. And so when I met my midwife, I think her name was Trish. Trisha? Trish? Tisha. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. Tisha. Um, She was super nice and she was very, very supportive. I loved her. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously like anybody else like we weren't the same human being so we didn't see eye to eye on every single thing but she was always very supportive of my choices and whatnot unfortunately she wasn't there for my birth I had Mm -hmm. another woman named Heather Mm -hmm. um but I will say regardless of you know who was there for my birth I don't regret my decision of choosing a midwife um I really, really enjoyed it. She gave me a lot of great tips for being a new time mom. And Mm -hmm. out of all the people that were around us throughout my journey, she was, I will say, one of the only people, her and my pediatrician were probably one of the only people that spoke to us on a perspective of like, okay, these are the things that I'm supposed to tell you Mm -hmm. and the boxes we're supposed to check, but you need to know like, you know, what you're heading into as a first time mom, as a couple who, you know, this wasn't planned. Mm -hmm. You're not married. You're young. There's a pretty big age gap. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to make sure you feel supported. And so, you know, I feel like that's huge. A lot of women, don't hear that regardless of what circumstance they go into things and it can be very lonely for a lot of moms and again the fear aspect like okay well I don't feel supported and I'm fearful because everything's new so I'm just going to listen to every single thing Mm -hmm. my OB or my midwife tells me to do Mm -hmm. and take it for face value so I think that's a big um, bonus at least for me as far as my choice to go with a midwife goes um, because there's so much more than just, like I said, checking the boxes um, in your appointments. Like there's a huge mental aspect of it. 
that you need to realize going into things. Mm-hmm. She would always, her and my pediatrician would always tell me like, make sure you guys plan a date night and make sure you guys plan <laughs> time for yourself. And I'm like, oh yeah, we'll have time for that. Like, we'll be fine. Yeah. Like, just kidding. But I think it's important. <laughs> not like that. It's not that easy. Right. But I think it's important to like humanize it. I feel like that's a lot of that's exactly. that's a that's a a thing that a lot of people don't get in um their care with their providers. Like being realistic about situations like this is what's going to happen. This is what you should expect. This is what you need to incorporate. And a lot of times it is about checking boxes because a lot of providers don't have time to sit there and have like meaningful conversations. But I think what's gotten lost in um in the field of like maternal child care once you know it became more medicalized i think you lose that humanizing aspect even just asking somebody how are you doing like and meaning that question because people forget how hard just pregnancy and being a new mom really is you know what i'm saying right like all of that, all of that matters. And I get, you know, as a provider that, you know, we do have certain boxes to check, but then remembering like at the end of the day, none of it is our decision. None of it is about us. So a lot, I feel like being able to sit there and be like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to recommend. This is why I'm supposed to recommend this. What do you want to do? Because I always tell people at the end of the day, you're going to go home and do whatever you want. So like, let's right. be realistic right. about the conversation. I could sit up here and tell you something till I'm blue, till I'm blue in the face. But if it's not something that you understand, nor something you want to do, nor something that aligns with your lifestyle, you're not going to do it. And that's fine. That exactly. should be fine. You get what I'm saying? I don't know. And how do you feel about things? Like, I mean, I could go on after all the <laughs> times that... Like, nobody ever stopped to ask me, like, how do you feel about, you know, me breaking your water versus, like, we have to do this? Or, like, how do you feel about, you know, this involving your child? Or how do you feel about this? Like, nobody asked you. They just make you feel like you have no choice but Mm. the choice that they're giving you. Yeah. And that's not right. That's, That's not right at all. I feel like. I know specifically just with me, just even as a nurse, um, especially while I was in school to be a midwife, I feel like it was real hard for me to shut up. Like it became real hard for me to just allow things to happen that I wasn't okay with. And a lot of times I would go in the room and be like, this is what they're going to come in here and say. This is what they're going to come in here and recommend. Um, I said, they're going to come in here and make it seem like it's something you have to do. These are your choices. And at the end of the day, you can always say no. I say, and if you don't feel comfortable, because I know everybody not like um, controversial. Not everybody likes controversy. Not everybody likes to, you know, go against, you know, somebody. And I get that, especially when you're in a compromising position like labor. So I was like, if you don't feel comfortable, I say, you can always tell them, give me 10 minutes, give me 15 minutes to discuss this, come back and we'll talk about it. And if you want to tell me, tell them you say no, I will do that for you. I don't care. Like at the end of the day, it's your birth. It's your baby. Right. It's your body. You don't have to do nothing you don't want to do. Like I've had people water 
not get broken until they're pushing the baby out and it breaks on its own because the whole time they're like no I don't want my water broken and that's fine and I feel like people shouldn't feel like they have to fight their whole labor like if I say no one time it's no it is what it is especially when you're not like in the right state of mind yeah you're not thinking clearly all the way because your body's focused on the task at hand like I had no idea that like that wasn't even an option. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is an emergency. I got to break the rest of my water because it's not fully broken. Like, okay, like, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Nobody else. They had to make everybody leave the room. Like, mm-hmm. I was, like, there by myself. Like, I'm like, okay, um, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, just having that support from the start is nice, at least from one person in your corner. Because, I mean, even, you know, from the man's perspective, if – the man is in the picture, the dad is in the picture, like, mm-hmm. they have no idea what's going on, even less than right. the woman half the time. Right. They're just there, like, shell-shocked. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, being able to, like, you know, like you said, humanize it and bring everything full circle for everybody, mm-hmm. it's so much more comforting for the mom going into things. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend midwifery care for any mom you know, mm-hmm. not to say that there's any OBs out there that aren't great, but, you know, that was just my experience. So. All right. So tell me about um, your birth experience and how it uh, was the same or different than what your plan was for your birth. Um, well, I feel like, you know, from the beginning, not beginning, beginning, but like, you know, the beginning of like the end of my pregnancy journey, I like, like I said, I didn't have my midwife mm-hmm. at present at my birth and I didn't know that she was going to be going out of town until like the week before they were threatening induction. Yeah. And so I was like freaking out cause I'm like, dang, like I really like her, like, now I don't know who the heck this other person is going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, what if she doesn't respect my views or, you know, my my plan? You know, like, I have no idea what to expect. So when I found out, I don't remember what the last, you know, how far along I was for that last appointment. But it was the appointment where she was like, okay, you're close to your due date or about to pass your due date. Mm-hmm. If you don't give birth by 42 weeks we are going to induce you and I'm leaving to go to Hawaii next weekend. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, oh God. Okay. <laughs> uh, so what can we do to speed this up? You know, that's the first thing that I thought, cause mm-hmm. I, I didn't know any better. I just, okay, well what's in my mind, you know, what's, what's the best thing that I can do for me and my baby at this point. Mm-hmm. And I trust this woman. So I guess we should speed it up. Right. Mm-hmm. We should speed mm-hmm. it up. And she was like, yeah, well, we can not like, and again, I love her. I I really liked her. I enjoyed her. But like, again, that's where it comes into the fact like fear Mm -hmm. and not being fully informed of like, hey, you don't have to speed this up. Right. You don't want to. Mm -hmm. We don't have to technically induce you. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't like there's people that go past their due dates. It's totally normal for your first baby. Mm -hmm. No, it was like, are you sure you want to speed it up? okay, well, we're going to do a 
um, I want to say like sweeping of yeah. your cervix. Is that what yeah. the terminology? Membrane sweep. So, yeah, so that's what she, yeah, the membrane sweep. So she did that. And then I started having some contractions like the next late afternoon ish, mm-hmm. but very light. Yeah. Like I hadn't had any Braxton Hicks or anything. Like I felt totally normal other than the fact that like I couldn't go to the bathroom <laughs> and I had a huge stomach. But like other than that, everything felt normal. Mm-hmm. You know, praise the Lord. I know a lot of women experience isn't as easy yeah. per se yeah. as that. But I didn't have anything and then I had those light contractions. So I you know, I did a lot of walking and Damien was like, let's go to the gym. I was like, okay, sounds good. Let's go to the gym. <laughs> and so we were at the gym, may not doing anything crazy. Like I was just doing a lot of like squatting and lunging and, you know, bouncing on the BOSU ball and, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing stuff on the TRX trap, just moving my body, trying to like open it up more. Um, and I was doing squats on the Smith machine, nothing like crazy heavy for what I had been lifting my whole pregnancy and I felt like a leak Uh and I was like "Uh uh-oh and like me not knowing I'm like oh this is it like (laughs) like, I was like oh this is like my water broke you know like I'm texting you like oh gosh the water broke maybe it's not supposed to be this big flush of of fluids or whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah that you know that was unexpected how I had to kind of like speed things up in a way because I was like I wanted her to be at my birth and like that night no I, I want to say I said next weekend she was leaving that weekend okay. so I believe that was like a Friday and so or a Thursday and so I was like oh my gosh she's leaving today yeah like she is leaving today <laughs> if I don't get to her at my birth by tonight it's over with like yeah. she's not gonna make it and she yeah. ended up not making it because by like a few hours uh-huh. she was gonna be there but the whole time I was like okay it's gonna be fine it's gonna go as planned da 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 And in the whole process of this, you know, change of pace, I was, I had wanted to have a doula and I had been planning and, you know, talking to a few different, um, doula companies or groups. Mm -hmm. And I decided to go with NOLA nesting Mm -hmm. because the owner of the CrossFit gym that Damien had been working at, she had a couple births natural and she had this doula and she highly recommended her. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go with her. I had met her the week before. Um, but we were trying to figure out like how we were going to pay it because it was like, I don't remember $1,500 or something like that. And so like, I know it was high. Like I want to, I want to say it was between like 13 and 1500. And so I was like, I, you know, we can't afford this. Like, is there any way we could do like some type of payment arrangement or something? Right. So I want to say they were going to let us do it in like two payments, but it was still like two payments is, you know, almost $900, you know, 800. So I was like, I didn't, they wouldn't allow the doula to help me until I paid everything. Um, I know. So that was really in a way traumatic for me because I was like super scared, you know, like nobody in my family or Damien's family had ever done a natural birth or like, you know, just a physiological birth per se. Like no one had. So like everybody was supportive, but they were like, are you sure? (laughs) You sure this is a good idea? Like, you know, I got induced or I I had a C-section, like just do exactly what they tell you to do. You should be fine. So like, I felt kind of like alone in that aspect 
up until like I want to say that evening we finally like the payment went through we were able to pay her that is insane um, and, that is so insane. yeah well and like Damien was gonna bring her cash I remember and I was like laying on the bed having attractions and I, they were like no we can't do cash we have to do PayPal or something like that like it had to be digitally uh-huh. so we finally like figured it out we were like rushing to do it and then I was able to get her texting me but the whole through the whole process of it like I just really didn't feel supported as I believed I was going to be going into things um and I was just you know okay I was timing my contractions on my phone like she was telling me but like everything like we said like everything when you're in labor early or late stage of labor for me was like a blur because I was just like (laughs) shell shock or like everything that was going on Mm -hmm. um so you know fast forward we ended up going to the hospital before the midwife had told me like she kept telling me to wait but I was like well I mean you know at the time I was like these are kind of you know getting more intense yeah. in my mind they were intense they were nowhere near intense of like what active labor was <laughs> but like I didn't know you don't that. know like, no you don't know gauge it yeah and I felt like I was bothering them like I kept texting them and calling them like what should I do and they're like you know just wait because once you're here you can't leave mm. and I was like damn for real like even if I like get there and you know yeah. I can't leave no because your water was broken so technically once you go and I think I told you that too like I wouldn't go immediately because once you once you go in and your water's broken and they have that on record they would make you sign out uh against medical leave like it'll be AMA type of situation um right but you could still sign out right I mean you can sign you can yeah you can sign out but then I don't think I don't know how it goes as far as like you coming back and being able to see the same provider. I don't know what the semantics is with that, but I know it's like a insurance thing where I think insurance won't pay for your stay if you sign out against medical leave or like it's something, it's something like that. So it was just, it's very much so like, you know, if your water broke and you're not like actively contracting and you want a natural delivery, thug it out as long as you can, because if you go into a hospital, it's. It's tricky. You're going to end up technically having to stay. Right, right. So I, I mean, I didn't go like right away, right away, but it was still early. Like I went, I want to say we were at the gym at like three o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I went into the hospital until maybe 10 o'clock, 11 mm-hmm. o'clock, something like that. Um, but I still like, you know, I should have waited long because when I got there, everything was smooth it was fine nurses were super nice you know she asked me right away like um you know like what do you want what's your plans and that and I told her like you know I don't want I don't want anything I don't even want like an IV in my arm Mm -hmm. you know unless I'm like I need it for medication and she was super respectful like that made me feel a little bit more comfortable but I want to say I don't remember exactly or not could be wrong on this but I want to say, like, Damien wasn't allowed in that little, like, waiting room. Oh, area, in triage? Or, like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, because it's only so, separated like, by curtains. <laughs> I remember that. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was like, okay. So, I'm, like, texting him, and I'm like, I don't know, like, how long am I going to be in here? Like, what's happening? And then I remember another girl got brought in right after me, and, you know, I remember her saying, like, oh, this is my second baby, and they checked her. They were like, 
oh, you're like nine, or not nine, I don't know, maybe like eight centimeters mm-hmm. dilated. And I was like, dang, she sounds great. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only like four centimeters dilated. Like, I would be so calm. And so, like, I was just like, you know, obviously with the hospital, their hands are kind of tied. Like, you know, they have to respect everyone's privacy. But I'm like, dang, like, this feels so, you know, un inhumane in a way of like the first step into the hospital i'm like isolated yeah not really talking to anybody i have this mom next to me who's going through the same thing that i'm going through and i can't even like see another person's face mm-hmm. let alone really talk to her yeah so that was kind of from the start like oh gosh this is kind of scary like i don't know what's happening um and then I don't remember how long I was in there, but they moved us to the room that we wanted. So that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mid or my doula showed up. And then when she realized, you know, we were there kind of early, that not really a lot was going to be happening for a while. She was like, okay, well, I'm going to leave and go home. Oh, and I was like, right. And so I was like, okay, um, I guess I, I'm, yeah, just get some rest, go to sleep. I'll be back in a few hours. So I was like, okay. And so... <laughs> Okay. So I went I went to sleep, but I didn't really like sleep deep because I was just so worried of like what was gonna happen next. And the nurse, I wanna say, I don't think the midwife came in yet, but the nurse came in and was like, you know, if this doesn't progress, we're gonna have to give you Pitocin, you know, all the things just like pressuring me to speed yeah. it up. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, Well, you know, how long can I wait? Like, what are my options? You know, like, can I only get a little bit? Like, I don't want this at all, but like, mm-hmm. you're making me feel like I have no options. So, you know, they, the options that they gave me that I thought were my only options were like, okay, well, we can like turn it really slow to where it only gives you a little bit at a time and just to get you going. And then once you get going, you know, it'll be fine. We could turn it off. But I was like, okay, well, at least give me like, three hours to try and see if I can move things along on my own. And if I do, then, you know, I don't want it. Mm -hmm. So we tried, I was like lunging down the hallway, (laughs) walking on like on sideways on the steps, Uh like tripping all over the place. My, (laughs) my, um, water had like just leaked, you know, just a little bit, Uh not like a full, and so, but nothing really, I think I only progressed like one centimeter. Mm-hmm. And so when she came back in, you know, they kept on checking me all the time, which I think now looking back, like that was a little excessive, yeah. but, um, they ended up giving me the Pitocin and then they didn't turn it off mm-hmm. until I said something. I was like, first of all, like, where the heck is my midwife? Like, why isn't she in here? I'm like eight or nine centimeters like where is this lady like i haven't seen her this whole time Mm -hmm. and then why do i still have this pitocin dripping like these contractions are crazy like what is going like to the point where i was like which i know it's common but like i'm like pooping on the floor like multiple times Mm because my nervous system is like feels like i just drank three shots of espresso (laughs) like literally that's why i felt like my adrenaline was so high from all the stuff that were coming but, you know, that wasn't according, you know, didn't really go as planned. But luckily, I was able to move around. I convinced them to let me go into the tub a little bit earlier than they were supposed to. Mm-hmm. And even with that, like, they kept just, like, 
doing cervical checks and then they were like oh well we can't do any cervical checks while you're in the water so we need you to get out of the water to check your you know see how far you've dilated so that was super uncomfortable and then like when i was pooping on the floor was after the facts like the last time she was like okay you gotta get out so we can check you and i'm like listen lady if i get out of the tub (laughs) one more time with these intense contractions like I'm not going back in because it's so painful. Yeah. Like, I couldn't like, and it, again, like it wasn't, you know, I've heard stories of like the Pitocin contractions are way more intense than yeah. natural ones. But like, yeah, it wasn't like, I was like, okay, I'm going to like, you know, I always see people on Instagram, like they're on all fours. Like that looks like a comfortable position. That was so painful. <laughs> like everything was like in the front and in my left hip, just like on fire. Yeah. And, and so I got out and they had me trying to give birth, standing up, hanging on to, like, Damien's neck. Yeah. And that's when I was, like, pooping on the floor because I was like, this is not, like, my body does not feel safe. Yeah. And so finally they made me go to the bed, which I was, like, on my side and, and the doula was trying to do, like, the, the what's the move called when they're, like, trying to, spinning babies? Oh, babies? yeah, yeah, yeah. They have spinning babies. Yeah, so, like, because I guess she was, like, all the way over to my left side, so I was having really bad contractions all down my left leg and side, mm-hmm. um, and that wasn't working, and then finally, you know, after a lot of, like, trying to push on my back, and I was, like, almost, like, kicking the nurses, <laughs> because, like, I was just, like, I guess I was strong for them to, like, hold my feet, but Damien was, like, okay, let me try this, like, let me just, like, hold her hands and you guys hold her feet because some lady um that had worked out and went to his class at the gym had like seven kids natural and she was mm-hmm. like listen i give you any advice this is my secret like you know use a towel or like a trx strap mm-hmm. and almost do like you're doing a tug of war movement yes i love tug out. of war <laughs> Right. And so I was like, okay, okay, let's do this. So as soon as he did that, after like hours and hours and hours of pushing, like she came out in like three pushes. Oh my God. Shout out to Damien. Literally. Like, and I think because like, you know, giving birth on your back isn't like a natural position for the baby to come out because it like closes off your hips Mm because you're like in like a tucked tail position. But I think that like pulling me forward, you know, kind of like anteriorly rotated my hips to where it opened things up to where, okay, now I can get her out because it was just like, I kept screaming at the doctor, like what she was like, okay, just keep going. I'm like, keep going. Like, am I making any progress? Can I see anything? Do you guys see anything? Like what's happening? Where is she? And like, I felt like nobody was telling me anything. I'm like, we have like seven people in this room that like, for one, I didn't approve of being in here and none of you guys could give me an answer. Where is this baby? What's going on? So yeah, I mean, all that to say a lot didn't go as planned, but you know, in a lot of ways, they were respectful of my choices. You know, I wanted delayed cord clamping. Mm-hmm. I declined the Hepi and the vitamin K mm-hmm. um, for my daughter. And I wanted, I didn't want them to give her a bath right away, which they didn't ask about that, which mm-hmm. was nice. But like, I wanted to keep the vernix on her, you yeah. know, at least until we got home or like for the next day or so. Um, and I wanted her to be with me right after birth, you know, all the time. I didn't want them to just, like, take her away. So they were respectful of that. Um, They allowed me to get in the water early. That was really nice. Um, They put some different type of, like, 
monitor around my belly because I had the Pitocin that was like able to be in the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, which just still like wasn't super comfortable because I had all these cords, but like I guess it was better than, you know, having to get stuck in the bed if I had Pitocin. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that was nice that, you know, that all went as planned, but, you know, things never go 100% as planned, you know, with anything. So I'm grateful that, you know, I was able to advocate for myself in the bigger things that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and now looking back, you know, we always will make different choices as we learn. Like now looking back for my next child, like I don't think I'll ever let them put Pitocin in me unless it's like <laughs> some type of an emergency. But like, you know, I just, I, you know, I can go into it more informed than I did right. first go around. Yeah. When you know better, you do better. Exactly. So. I agree. You did good. I feel like you did really good advocating for yourself and knowing what you wanted ahead of time. Um, And good on you for having a good enough partner that could step in. Because I feel like especially in that moment, like you pushing, you're probably tired. You need someone to be able to step up and intervene when they need to intervene. And most partners don't feel comfortable or anything to say anything. You know what I'm saying? So definitely that was, I was, was I was shocked that he did because like (laughs) for a lot of, for a lot of the time, poor guy, like he, his face was just like in shock. Like he was like, (laughs) he felt so bad for me because I was just like crying and crying. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, like just processing everything. But at the same time, like I was disappointed in myself because like things didn't go as planned. And like, I was disappointed because things weren't progressing and I couldn't understand. And like, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was getting any answers from anybody and there was just so much that I just didn't understand. I didn't feel like anybody was helping me. And he was just like, looked like a deer in a headlights, just like, okay, well, how can I help? What do you need? I feel like that. <laughs> he was just so shocked. So I'm like, okay, Jula, like, I need your help over here. Like, come on, he needs your help. Right. So, but yeah, I, I was definitely proud of him for stepping up when, you know, push came to shove and like he saw like nothing was changing uh, like I don't know how things would have gone if if he didn't do that so I'm I'm very grateful for him that he did good I'm glad um so you mentioned delayed court clamping um what yeah. what went into because I know you did um you did some things with your placenta you did delayed court clamping um how did you was it just that you researched stuff about? I feel like a lot of people don't come in discussing that. Like I know about delayed cord clamping because obviously I work in the field. Um, but like what what made you go that route? Like leaving the vernix on her, like stuff like that. Um, I mean, I just, you know, you know, everybody says like I did my research, but like I researched as much as I could possibly think of like, okay, what are the things that they're doing that are interventions that they haven't always done Mm -hmm. and why do they do them Mm -hmm. and what's the importance of them and are they really needed so you know that was my biggest thing like I will say like a lot of women they'll read a lot of like parenting books and like you know what to expect when you're expecting books when you're pregnant like me I didn't but I spent a majority of my time like researching the things that I knew I was going to get pushed back on and things that I knew from the jump, you know, that I had questions about whether it was good or bad 
questions. Like I just wanted to know more. Mm -hmm. And so I just started making a list. Okay. This is what I want. This is what I don't want. Mm -hmm. This is why this is, you know, this is what I've read of why it's not necessary Mm -hmm. and why it's beneficial for my baby and you know, how I can best, you know, advocate for her and for myself during pregnancy. And, you know, I could just cross my fingers and hope that that I did the best that I could, you know, like with the little knowledge that I knew at the time being a brand new mom that wasn't, you know, planning to get pregnant when I did. Um, But delayed cord clamping, I had heard that it provided, you know, stem cells, provided oxygen and immune cells to the Mm -hmm. baby, Mm -hmm. that it helped with, you know, their hormone levels, their... I, you know, preventing iron deficiency. And I want to say I read something that said about like 30% of babies' blood volume, um, the placenta and the cord blood yeah. contains 30% of the blood volume. And mm-hmm. so it improves their cardiac function, their immune health. So all these beneficial things. So I'm mm-hmm. like, why not? Yeah. My midwife asked me what my choice was on it. And, you know, I went and I just read up on it. And I was like, oh, well, there's a lot of good benefits. Why not do it? Yeah. Um, and then with my placenta, um, you know, kind of hand in hand with that, when I was doing the research about the delayed cord clamping, a lot of stuff was coming up about the placenta. And so I was like, um, yeah, this is something that I think that I want to do. I saw a lot of doula services offered it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I actually didn't even have a place in mind that I was going to do it. I just knew that I wanted to do it like at the last minute um so my doula recommended I want to say her company is called full moon rising Mm -hmm. um so she came to my house which was really nice um and she just did it all in my house she did the placenta encapsulation and then made made like a salve and then made me like a a cool little like print that I put in my nursery um (laughs) with the placenta um and so yeah, that I mean, that was kind of like last minute, but I it was always something like on my radar that I was more inclined to want to do than not want to do. Um, and I'm glad that I did it. I feel like it definitely helped with my energy levels mm-hmm. after giving birth and my milk production. You mean the encapsulation? Uh, yes, the yeah. encapsulation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I've heard mixed opinions on it. Mm-hmm. I don't think one is 100% wrong on don't think one is 100% right like I think everybody has different experiences with things based on their birth you know their mineral levels going into things their nutritional levels going into things so everybody has a different response to things but for me I feel like it benefited me um, positively after birth so I'm that I went with that choice good all right so um let's talk about um the um you know like after delivery they recommend three things for the baby the vitamin k shot which helps the baby's blood clot the hepatitis b vaccine which is a series of vaccines um and then the erythromycin antibiotic eye ointment to prevent any eye infections on their way out what were your like I don't did you have a conversation with uh your provider about that ahead of time and what made you decide whether or not you were gonna go through with these medications or vaccines um 
I don't think so. Now that I, I think like she kind of like already had an idea of like what my answer was going to be based on like how my whole pregnancy went. Like, okay. You know, every time when they, when she recommended like, oh, do you want the prescription prenatals? I was like, no, I'm good. Like I'm going <laughs> to find, you know, a natural option or can I get it from Whole Foods? Mm-hmm. Not like the store, like actual Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, throughout the whole time, like even with my prenatals, like not to say that there aren't great prenatals out there. It just like didn't work for me. It made my constipation worse. Yeah. Even though I had a, a food based prenatal. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, did it all through diet. Um, so I think just knowing me and like seeing how we went about things, she didn't even ask me. She did ask me about the del- delayed cord clamping. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think she asked me about like any of the vaccines or the eye ointment. Mm-hmm. And now that I think about it, when I, the only time I was asked about it was in triage. Um, when she was asking me like my preferences for everything, mm-hmm. um, and if I had a birth plan, et cetera. Um, but I don't, I don't remember it. Maybe they asked me about the eye ointment, mm-hmm. but it was never brought up. If she did, it was never brought up after that. Like, okay. It was never like, are you sure this is what you want to do? Mm-hmm. Like, no. And to me, that for that one, that was like a no brainer because I was like, you know, like I don't think I think antibiotics are already overused. I don't have a sexually transmitted disease, so mm-hmm. I don't see why rubbing an antibiotic on the eyes of a brand new healthy baby is necessary, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So that was just like okay, automatically. I'm, I'm good on that. Um, so, yeah. But, I mean, thankfully, they weren't really, like, pushy about that. Um, vitamin K, she asked me about that along with the Hep B when I first came in. But then after that, nobody asked me. I actually, my answer at the time actually was, like, uh, I'm not sure on that one. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that I may give it to her, but I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure yet. So I'm still mm-hmm. deciding. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll let you guys know, but then nobody ever asked me after that. Okay. Um, so looking back now, I'm like glad they didn't. Cause at the time I thought it was like, Oh, it's just a vitamin. And then like later on when I was doing research about other vaccines, I was like, Oh, this is a lot more than what I was expecting. Um, so yeah, that, that was a conversation that she was just, okay, well, yeah, let us know. And so I was like, okay. And then Hep V, um, I was like, I definitely don't want that. You know, that's comes, that's a sexually transmitted disease. You know, my daughter isn't going to be injecting drugs in her body and she's not going to be participating in sexual activity anytime soon. So, you know, that's not really something that, I feel like she needs to have Mm -hmm. and nobody really pressured me on that except for the NICU doctor who, um, after I gave birth for whatever reason, they said she had like a high temperature. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like it was just because like I had her like on me so close to me for so long, like wrapped up (laughs) into all the blankets because I like didn't want anything to happen to her. Mm -hmm. Um, so they said she had a little bit of a high temperature, so they put her in the NICU. And then the NICU doctor comes in, you know, visit you and check on you after she's back in your care. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when she came in, she was like, 
automatically kind of like opposed to my decision, not supportive of me at all. Mm -hmm. And was like, you know, you're going to kill your baby. Like, Oh, you know, this is a very careless decision. Like, you know, I'm a doctor from LSU and like dishing out her credentials. Like, and I was like, listen, lady, like, this is my child. At the end of the day, this is my decision. This is what I'm comfortable with. You know, unless you can tell me that there's an actual serious health threat of her not getting this with actual factual reasoning, Mm -hmm. it's, it's absolutely ridiculous to give this to a healthy baby. Like, and not to offend anybody or knock any mom that like made that choice. That's your choice. But at the end of the day, like we know as mothers, in our instincts, you know, what is right and what is not right for our child. Mm -hmm. And for somebody to tell you that you're going to kill your child by not injecting them with something that's foreign, that's for an STD Mm -hmm. is just, is ridiculous in my opinion and very unprofessional, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, I think that all goes back to just realizing that at the end of the day, your job as a medical provider is to provide information and provide exactly what like the what the research says what this says what this says give you options give you alternatives and at the end of the day giving you what they called in like the chance to make an informed decision not exactly not you telling not you know somebody coming and telling you you need to do x y and z and you just do it because i just right I, and I'm, that's like a I red flag that. off the bat yeah like, he didn't come in there like okay, like, I know this is new, like, Mm -hmm. are you sure about this decision? Just in case, like, let me give you the insert. Like, not once has has any doctor, even after my daughter was born, ever said, let me provide you with the ingredients. Let me provide you with Mm -hmm. the insert that tells you the risks, the adverse reactions, the warnings, never. Alternatives, nothing. Exactly. yeah. Yeah, any alternative. I mean, I was surprised she didn't come in there and start, like, giving me brands of which vitamin K drops that I should give my kid if I'm not going to inject it. Yeah. You know, like, it just, I'm like, do you work for the company or <laughs> do you work for me? Like, what? why Why do I have health insurance? Yeah. Point, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was just really frustrating because it's just, if moms only, you know, knew, moms only knew, like, you know, the, the interests that these companies have, and it's not in the best interest of the health of our children. It's in the interest of like, based upon the funding that they're receiving, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they would, they would make different choices for yeah. their kids. Agree. And it's, it's, it's frustrating. Like, you know, just reading the insert of the hep B vaccine and it tells you like you look it up on the cdc website it'll tell you if you open up the insert yeah it said that they're not sure how long it'll be effective they can't make statements regarding the effectiveness and it may not protect all individuals Mm -hmm. and then it goes on later to say a recommendation by the acip that they recommend a booster though so i'm like okay well let me look up to see who the acip is Mm -hmm. the acip is an is a committee of only 15 people that they're not doctors. And one of them is a lawyer. Most of them are professors, but one of them is a lawyer who she's on the committee because her daughter died of pertussis. Oh. And she's trying to raise money for 
you know, promoting the, the pertussis vaccine. Mm. But what people don't, a lot of people don't realize is all the cases of the people who have died from pertussis, children that have had severe cases of pertussis that have been hospitalized or died, mm-hmm. have all been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So where does her interest lie? If she works as a professor for, you know, a university that's funded by these companies or funded by the FDA, does it lie in her funding or does it lie in our children's best interests? Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's something that like moms have to look at in question that aren't going to be told by the doctor. first. Mm-hmm. I mean, it even like, there's even like on any vaccine insert, it says like a post-marketing section and it'll basically post-marketing is like, you know, what moms are saying, what they're reporting. Mm-hmm. It says a quote, it's like, because their reactions are reported voluntarily, it's not reliable and um, it's not reliable to establish their frequency or establish a causal relationship. So basically, because moms are volunteering to tell their story about what happened to their kid, mm-hmm. when it's not really reliable. What's reliable is the studies that we've done that have been funded by the companies that make these. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's just... It's, it's frustrating because it's like mother's voices are silenced in so many avenues, yeah. especially when it comes at the cost of their child mm-hmm. and nobody's liable for it yeah. except for the mom who has to take care of her child. Yep. Completely agree with you, girl. Um, so do you have any other topic you want to touch on before we close? Because this has been great, but I, I don't want to take all your time. I know we, we've been talking for a minute. <laughs> um, hmm. Well, I would say, you know, going off of what we were just talking about, mm-hmm. like, I implore every mom to do their research. There's tons of resources out there if you just do a little bit of digging. Yeah. Um, whatever your decision may be, it's not, you know, to push one side or the other, but like, I'm a big, big advocate in doing your research in anything that you do, whether it's, you know, workout or Mm -hmm. nutrition or anything. But, you know, when you have a child, your priorities change and you're responsible for another life. Nobody else is but you. So, you know, go and look, find resources out there, get support. Um, one of my, you know, two of my favorite resources that I always share with my new mom friends are there's a guide that compiles everything, highlights everything to to where you don't have to go and read, you know, all these pages of different research studies. Yeah. Um, and get overwhelmed with all the information, but her name's Ashley Everly. Mm -hmm. Uh, she created a vaccine guide that goes through every single one, the risks, um, and it's from an unbiased perspective. It just, she goes through and highlights all like the pertinent information in each study and, you know, history behind everything, ingredients, everything, mm-hmm. something that your doctor should be giving you when you go into a, a visit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but that's by Ashley Everly and it's a free PDF guide, um, that she has on her website or through Instagram, you can find her. Okay. Um, and then Candace Owens actually did a really good, like each each segment is an hour long and each thing, every single one, mm-hmm. um, that's free, but it's through, that's through the parlor app. So you just download the parlor app, go to her, um, 
page and she has a video what's the app or each one what's the app i didn't i didn't hear what you said it's called uh parlor parlor okay Mm -hmm. and that one i mean like i say that you know people take it with a grain of salt because you know she's mostly known for her political views on things but Mm -hmm. like you know, regardless of your political stance, just go and listen to it because it has nothing to do with politics or anything. She's very, un- like, comes from an unbiased perspective on things. Mm-hmm. Like, her first baby, she was induced. Her second baby, she had naturally. But, you know, she talks about each each vaccine, you know, even the one during, they offer during pregnancy for mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, goes through the history studies and breaks it down for you you know, to the T and read straight from FDA, CDC website, all reputable sources. Um, so that's a very useful tool, in my opinion, for new mothers um, embarking on a new journey when everything is new and overwhelming. Thank you. I'm going to make sure I put that like on the episode, like on the, I think it's called show notes you add at the bottom. I'll put that information at the bottom yeah. too. That way people sure. can access it. But I think, I mean, you make a really good point just about research. I tell people that all the time, like your provider is not the end all be all. We don't know every single thing. Everybody has their own biases, whether or not they try to take it to work. They have some people that firmly believe in medicine and will take every medication and vaccine there is out there. They have other people that are on the completely opposite end of the spectrum. And I think that's it's completely okay. Everybody's different. And it's okay that everybody's different. But if you're going to be a provider, you have to, one, make room to understand every side. You don't have to agree. That's what I tell people all the time. We don't have to agree on how we would take care of our kids or take care of ourselves. But as a provider, your job is to provide information and provide provide care. So if if somebody says they don't want X, Y, and Z, then they don't want it. Your job ain't to force right. nobody to do what you think they should do. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, listen to the moms. Yes. They don't want it. Like, yes. Listen to the mom when they say, like, you know, something's going on with my child. Yes. Like, don't, don't gaslight the moms and don't gaslight the women's. Even, you know, we saw a lot of it during COVID when women were like, oh, I'm having a miscarriage or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can't get pregnant and whatnot. Like, they said that it wasn't studied on pregnant women because it wasn't a priority right because they were worried about hesitancy not because it wasn't studied for a legitimate reason Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like so Mm -hmm. even in even in like you were saying in the hospital when you're not having people advocate for you like people mothers are the last people that they're willing to listen to Mm -hmm. in a lot of aspects and it's so backwards because it is those are the people who need it the most in, you know, in breastfeeding and, and anything, like, I'm so thankful my breastfeeding journey was, you know, a breeze mm-hmm. compared to a lot of other women. I didn't have any, like, clogged ducts or anything like that or production issues, but I know a lot of women did and do, and if I did, I don't know what I would have done because I didn't have any postpartum support from my doula or yeah. from a lactation consultant, everything that I saw to my knowledge cost money mm-hmm. or you know, wasn't covered by my insurance. So I didn't, I didn't have any help. Like I, 
I just breastfed on demand and I was fortunate enough to be home to breastfeed her on demand. But like, I didn't even know like the, what's it called? The valves, the, the thing that goes on your breast when you're pumping. Oh, like the actual things that you're like, I don't like the actual pump. No, like, you know, like the actual part, the pump part that goes, yeah, on your breast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I, my sister had sent me her pump because, like, I couldn't get one through my insurance. My sister sent me hers. I had no idea, like, there were different sizes. Correct, yeah. (laughs) Girl, she, she has, like, a double D. No wonder I couldn't (laughs) pump anything. I'm like, my breast pump doesn't work. Like, you know, like, I didn't know. Right. And those are these things that, like, they're not providing. That's why that support is so important. They're like, just get formula. You're like, Mm -hmm. it's fine. Just do the easier thing. Just do formula. Like, you know, let her be. She's on you too much or she's not on a schedule or, you know, like, everybody has an opinion, but it's like, no one's there to openly provide you with the information of why there is this well-known one opinion that should just be accepted. Mm -hmm. You should just sit down be quiet otherwise like you're crazy yeah and it's not right it's yeah just, it's not, not at right. all and mm-hmm. that that's one thing i will say like i wish that more and i know some offer it but i wish that more doulas or even like midwives would like provide more postpartum care yes. and postpartum visits yeah that like are included like i was trying to find my my doula's name and like her company or whatever um the other day like i'm like dang i don't remember so i found it and then i was like wait they now they offer postpartum doulas that you pay for yeah it's it's starting to become a thing yeah it should be all together it should all be included but i think i think postpartum is becoming more of a conversation um but i think it was an afterthought like i feel like the the anticipation is always around the delivery but nobody talks about what like you you go to countless visits while you're pregnant countless and you're only only required to have one six-week visit postpartum and they call you if you don't show up to the visits they're like are you when you want to reschedule right right like what about postpartum like exactly i didn't even go to my final visit like mm-hmm. I was just like oh this is the time like I don't remember you know what is the time frame like after before you can be you know like working out or sexually active yeah. after you give birth yeah but I was like oh I know this is the time so like I'm fine but like I didn't go back like I was yeah. like what do I need to go back for I'm fine nobody's calling me to check up on me yeah there like, should be there should be a visit like a week in, three weeks in, two weeks in, four weeks. Like those right. are those are when you're having the most problems and you're adjusting and everything. I mean, your whole world has changed. Your hormones are changing. Your baby not sleeping. You not sleeping. Like it's a huge right. change. And it's it's so it's so neglected. It's so neglected. But most definitely. I mean, it just you know, and you see a lot of women with postpartum depression. Yeah. You know, they don't like for me, I'm like, I don't know. Okay, now I have a baby. Like, none of my friends have a baby. Like, mm-hmm. who am I going to like hang out with? What am I going to do? Yeah. Like, now that I have the baby with me all the time, like, I went to some, you know, mommy and me yoga classes that they had a few of them. And then I want to say, 
I don't know. When I was just born in 2018, I was going to say COVID, but I'm, I don't know. They shut it down because I think they were moving locations of mm-hmm. like the, um, there's like a breastfeeding center or something like that downtown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they moved locations from like down there where they were to another one. So they stopped the classes. Mm. Um, but I mean, other than that, I'm like, okay, how am I going to find like other mom friends? Like, how am I going to find people for, that support me that, you know, know that what I'm going through, none of that. Like I, you know, you don't get any of that from your jeweler. I mean, maybe they do now, but I didn't, Yeah. you know, even like, I remember my, my jewel after the fact I was telling you, like after I gave birth and she went home, like I'm texting her, like, this is what these doctors are telling me, like what they're saying to me, like, what should I do? I don't know. I'm feeling this type of way. Da, da, da. And like, I didn't even get a text back. Nothing. That's so messed up. Like that's such yeah, a disservice. Like, that's right. such a disservice. That's not okay. That's not okay. And it's just, it's just sad. So I'm like, I don't know how, how many other moms go, you know, feel like this and go through this. And they're going through, you know, health issues themselves. Falling, mm-hmm. Or they mm-hmm. have to go get, they had to get an episiotomy or they are having to get, you know, their abs sewn back together mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, thankfully, I didn't tear anything. So I didn't have any of that. But like what about the women that are going through all of that yeah. and their baby's not sleeping Yeah, and they don't have support and they mm. don't know, you know, how they should be feeding their body and nurturing their body or what they should be doing. They're just getting told all these things. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think postpartum is one of the most, if not the most important part about pregnancy. Agree. Completely agree. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, we have we have a lot of work to do <laughs> a lot of work to do um but i think i think that there are a lot of people who are beginning to think the way you do and are doing more research for themselves and i mean and it sucks that you know you go to certain professionals or providers and expect you know, not to have to do so much research, but I tell people at the end of the day, it's your body and your baby and you need to be the expert. Right. I'm sorry. Like right. your provider can only do so much until yeah. you have to, you have to step in and make a decision for yourself. And, right. you know, you coming in and saying like, I did research on X, Y, and Z, you might teach your provider something that she can go on and teach something to the next person, you know? So I just feel like exactly. it's something where people have to realize, like, it's not one of those hierarchical relationships. We're all learning from each other. And at the right. end of the day, like the, the, the mom, the baby, the family, that's the priority, like the well-being yeah. and you know, like it's, that's the priority. So right. and fostering that relationship to where you can have that open dialogue yeah. to where you don't feel like, okay, if I don't agree with a hundred percent of what they're saying, they're going to shut me down or kick me out of their practice. Mm-hmm. And that's not okay. You know, and that's what it's become. But like you said, you know, when you become pregnant and you become a mom, like you learn real quickly, you know, it's you, you know, your family and your child in your corner. And it's your responsibility more than anybody else's as a mother to not only educate yourself for yourself and for your child, but 
to be able to teach your child one day so they can advocate for yeah, themselves. Yeah. Whatever the decision that may be for them, but at least they have the tools. Yeah. Because, I mean, I remember when I was, my mom didn't know any better. Like, I remember when I was growing up, my mom was just like, you know, anything the doctor said, like, yeah, give her everything. Mm-hmm. Do everything. Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Should she take this antibiotic? Sure. That's fine. The doctor said that. And then, you know, later in life learning, okay, now she has oral cancer Mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. has to be able to make a decision and now start questioning. Maybe I should get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should start questioning these things, you know, and I don't want it, you know, all that to say things happen. Things always happen for a reason, but I don't want to be in that position. I don't want my daughter definitely to be in a position to where it's an emergency. And that's when she has to start doing the research and making, you know, informed decisions for herself, advocating yeah. for herself when everything is on the line. Yeah. And so, you know, it just, it's sad that it has to be that way, but at the same time, it it does need to be that way because, you know, we got to put our big girl pants on and, you know, grow up a little bit. Yeah. We go through that phase of life of going from a single or, a, you know, a married woman or whatever to a mother. Yeah. It's not about you anymore. It's about the child. Yep. Well, I just want so, you to know I am very proud of you. Um, oh, thank you. You're doing great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your story and information because, um, I mean, I don't think a lot of people are as uh, well versed in like holistic care and health and wellness as you are. And that's why I really reached out to you. Because I feel like it's very valuable, very valuable to get that perspective. Um, so thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, there was something, I feel like there was something else. I, I wrote some notes because I was like, I don't want to forget. So. <laughs> um, going back quickly mm-hmm. to like postpartum care. Yeah. Some tips that I would recommend, you know. Obviously, like, eating enough calories to support your body. Yeah. Like, sun exposure is something so simple Mm -hmm. for you and baby. Like, I feel like a lot of times we're told, like, to stay inside. Don't take the baby outside for, like, the first three months because, like, something's going to happen to him. But, like, just getting sun exposure early in the day is so beneficial for you as you're healing and for your baby, for their immune system, Mm -hmm. for vitamin D production, you know, for lowering stress in the body. And that's a lot, you know, a lot of people I feel like quickly overlook something as simple as that, but like that fueling your body with enough calories. Um, I know I saw in your story the other day, people talking about like hair loss. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times that's linked to like a mineral deficiency because Mm -hmm. they're not either not eating enough or not hydrating enough. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of people think like, oh, I got to drink water. I got to drink, you know, Gatorade and whatnot. But like something as simple as like adding in minerals to your water or like um, there's something called an adrenal cocktail that's coconut water, orange juice and like a pinch of salt mm-hmm. that is like the perfect concoction of balancing your sodium and potassium levels mm-hmm. that will not only help fight fatigue, but also help meet those mineral needs that your body needs during breastfeeding and postpartum, mm. which will help prevent hair loss on the front end. Um, and like, you know, eating 
whole real foods, like getting enough protein from animal products, yeah. eating grass-fed butter, you know, getting grass-fed cheese. Like, I remember I didn't really eat a lot of dairy when I was pregnant, but my biggest craving, I would – this was way back when, when, like, Starbucks used to carry Kerrygold butter, but, like mm-hmm. – for some reason or another, I would go like every other day and go get a bagel with like extra butter, and I would always crave that. And now <laughs> looking back, I'm like, holy crap! Like no wonder that makes so much yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Or I crave tons of avocados because of like the good fats that you need when you're growing your baby and you're growing their brain. So yeah, I would definitely, I would recommend those things. You know, among doing your research, but also doing those things to support. Um, your body, the, you know, hip core stability. Mm-hmm. If you don't know about it, um, find a good like public floor specialist yes. or there's For a girl sure. called Hannah Bauer on Instagram mm-hmm. who I followed a lot of her, um, pelvic floor exercises and workouts, um, throughout my pregnancy. And she's a great resource of just educating women on like about their bodies and what to do moving forward after a baby. Um, and so I would recommend her for sure. Mm. Um, and just that type of training. Um, I didn't do it during pregnancy cause I just didn't know enough, but I would recommend like chiropractic care. I've heard mm-hmm. a lot of great things. My friend that. did it like every, almost every week and it was amazing. Right. Amazing. I wish I would have done. Now I had a lot of, um, like hip pain and foot pain. Mm-hmm. When I was pregnant, so I feel like it would have helped me. Um, and then, like, you know, collagen is great for all the things, like skin, everything's stretching, moving. Mm-hmm. So just to repair for that, pairing that with orange juice, because vitamin C helps the absorption of that. Um, the book that I recommended, The 40, First 40 Days, yeah. that's a great one. Mm-hmm. And we didn't talk, we didn't get to talk about the glucose testing, but I mean, that goes along with just like read up on things, you know, you have a choice yeah. and the ingredients in that are absolutely horrible, like vegetable oil and stuff mm-hmm. and the stuff that you don't need in your body that you can get from real food or mm-hmm. some women don't even opt to do it at all. Um, but you know, I know every case is different. So just reading up on that. Um, Sheila G is a thing that I had recommended for like the hair loss. Yeah. Cause that's like, that's just like a concentrated mineral. It has like 85 different trace minerals and it's an easy, like one shot every morning or in your juice or in your tea. That's mm-hmm. really beneficial. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I always, I'm always learning. I don't, yes. I don't know it all, but as I learn, you know, I just, I try and build and share what I know because I wish I would have known more mm-hmm. at the time, you know, whether I agree with it or not, like I, even just somebody just sharing more than just like a horror story of what happened to them, mm-hmm. I think can benefit a mom tremendously because yeah. they don't always get it. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I feel like you share so much valuable information. Like people really, I mean, a lot of this stuff I don't even know about, you know, like I haven't heard about. And I feel like I tell people that all the time. Like, I don't, I don't know everything. One, I also don't have kids. So I know my experience is going to be limited regardless, but I'm open. I'm so open to learning about everything because, you know, it's not a one size fit all situation. Like it's, it's just not. Right. 
No, nothing, nothing is, and that's what I think that's what more and more people are quickly coming to an understanding yes. of. Yes. That's opening up their minds about a lot of things that they've been closed off about for a long time. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, I remember when I was telling my brother that I was wanted to have a water birth. He's like, "Are you insane?" Like, <laughs> I remember so and so had a home birth in the water, and then they had to like, you know, put the baby on a helicopter to the emergency room. Da da da. Like, you're crazy, and like. You know, anything, you know, he's, he just had a different viewpoint on a lot of things. Right. So he's like, you're crazy. Why are you doing that? And like now, you know, years later down the road, he's like, wow, like, you know, that does make more sense. Or, yeah. You know, we don't agree on everything, but like a lot of things he's like come to an understanding of like, well, you know, maybe I do have a choice or maybe that isn't the best thing or whatnot. So, you know, I just always encourage people to really ask questions and go with your gut instinct. Like, I didn't know half of the things that I knew now mm-hmm. when I had my daughter. I still, you know, was like, like I said, even going into triage, I was on the fence about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'll decide later or maybe I'll, you know, wait or whatnot. But like, something just deep inside me just like didn't sit well with a lot of things. And listen and, to your gut. You got to listen to yeah, it. You got to listen to I, yourself. I vividly remember one time a family member calling Damien was like, you didn't do what? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Are you crazy? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just remember this like mama bear, like spirit come out of me. Like, no, tell them to back off. Like, this is what I want to do. I'm not hundred percent sure why I want to do it, but I don't feel good about it. And I'm not doing it. Yeah. And like looking back now, I'm like so thankful that I did, but like, even even if I didn't know everything, my my body knew and my gut knew. Like you're still connected to that child after so many months of carrying them in your body. Like you know, God created us in a very unique way with a very unique understanding of things, especially as women, to know our bodies and to be aware and you know to know what's best for our child. And things don't sit well with us. And you know, the spirits telling us like you know don't do this. Like you have to tap into that and you have to listen to that because you know, we were born a certain way mm-hmm. with a certain state of mind, a state of thinking uh, mm-hmm. to protect our child. Yep. Well, all right, sweetheart. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Thank you, you so much. I'm glad we got to talk. <laughs> no, really, seriously, so thank, you, <laughs> thank you, though. Thank you. I'm trying to get it there, girl, and I'm trying to make sure I, I get you know, every perspective. I don't want, you know, to just, you know, touch on like midwifery care. Like I have an OBGYN that I want to discuss things with, you know, I just. Definitely. Yeah. I just, I just want to get all the experiences, but I really do appreciate you taking out the time and talking to me. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Oh, okay. One more thing. Last Uh thing. I'm not going to just real snippet. Make a note (laughs) for the mom. Sorry, you guys, I keep going back and forth, but because I know you talk to, you know, primarily your audience is a lot of women of color or, mm-hmm. you know, minorities. Mm-hmm. So this was one thing that like, you know, me and Damien weren't always on the same page about a lot of things going into pregnancy and being new parents, making decisions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But this was one thing that really opened his eyes was if you do research on what's called the Tuskegee experiment. Yeah, yep. I'm just, I'm going to just leave it right there mm-hmm. and let you guys look that up. <laughs> I'm going to leave it right there. Seriously? Because 
history tends to repeat itself. Mm-hmm. So, and question I, I love everything. all you mamas out there listening, <laughs> and I love your kids, even though I don't know them or your future kids. <laughs> so, I'm always here to share with what I know and what I'm passionate about. And I love fitness and I love health and nutrition. I feel like it's all encompassing and all works together. So on anything that you do, always, you know, research it, do your, do what feels best for your body, whether it's moving or foods. Like I was vegan for three years and now I'm totally opposite end of the spectrum. It's okay to be wrong about things. It's okay to change your mind and to ask questions because mm-hmm. that's how you grow and that's how you learn. Mm-hmm. So I'll leave it at that. All right, boo. Thank you. Let me stop it. Thank you. Have a good one. (laughs) You too. I just want to say thank you to Bridget. Um, She is so amazing. and has so much valuable information, y'all, for real. Um, I hope y'all really enjoyed this episode. Um, I hope you'll tune in next week to find out who we have next. Make sure you uh, message me on Instagram, underscore phases of the womb, or you can email me phasesofwomb at gmail.com. Hope y'all have a wonderful week. Talk to y'all soon. Bye. Thank you.